deep and meaningful conversations to connect, find calm, feel empowered and uncover clarity. Welcome to the Death Dying Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. Hello, Dr. Merrid Cooper. How are you? Hi, Julie. I'm great. Thank you. And thanks for having me on your podcast. You are more than welcome. Dr. Merrin, to me, is the guru of advanced care planning. So really, that's what I would love to talk to you about today. I uh, hear a little bit about your story and how you got to there. But first up, can you tell people what an advanced care plan is or advanced care directive? What is it? Well, may I just correct something? I'm not a guru of advanced care planning. <laughs> There are people who know a great deal more than about advanced care planning than myself, you know, within Advanced Care Planning Australia and LDAC and others. So we are a group. We are a, a whole school of thought. That's the most important thing. What I do understand about is digitising advanced care plans and making them available in a way that's accessible 24-7 and, and shareable. So that's what I'm here to talk about. I'll just call you a guru because I know you, but that's all right. <laughs> all right. So what what is an advanced care directive or an advanced care plan and why would people want one? Great question. There's an easy answer. It is your wishes for medical care at the end of your life. So when you put those words together, it's something done in advance. <laughs> it's a plan for the care that you want. And why do you need one is... When you deteriorate, whether that be slowly because of dementia or suddenly because you have an accident or a stroke, you can't speak for yourself in those times. So your families and your doctors cannot ask you directly what care you would want. So they need some guidelines from you. What care do you want if you are so sick that you might die? What care do you want if we're not sure of what the outcome might be? And if we can't ask you directly, we have to make those decisions on your behalf. So what guidelines can you give us ahead of time about what yep. care you want? So the word advanced care directive, when you, when you break down the word directive, you are directing your family and your doctors about what care to give you or not to give you. So when you're talking about advanced care directives, we're actually talking about the opposite of consent, if you like. Mm. When you receive care, your doctors have to make sure that they get consent to give that care to you. But advanced care plans can often be around you letting your doctors and family know it's okay not to give you care. Yeah. And then people get confused and they say, well, what's an advanced care plan? What's the difference? And although there is some discussion about the nitty gritty of what the words mean, in essence, an advanced care plan is a little bit more, a larger document that can include more warm touchy-feely things, if you like, about your values and your preferences that can be used as a cornerstone or a touchstone for what your families and doctors will do for you. So it also can include other additional guidelines and end-of-life preferences, cultural, religious, personal, family, and it can include the names of the people you want to be making those decisions for you. 
So that might be your substitute decision makers. Okay. So in different states around Australia, we use different words. But an advanced care plan is a word that is generally accepted. And sometimes the questions around legality stop people doing an advanced <laughs> care plan because they're scared. So it too, are professionals often scared about offering these things because we think, am I at legal risk? Mm. But in Australia and around the world, there are often two sort of different types of law. There's common law or case law, and there's the law of statutes or statutes. And essentially when it comes to advanced care planning, each state has a form that you can download and fill in, and that's sort of the statutory advanced care directive for that state. If you cross all the T's, dot all the I's, get it filled in, signed and witnessed by a JP or a GP or an over 21-year-old or an over 18-year-old, whatever the statutory laws are in that state, that is a legally binding document. New South Wales and Tasmania don't have statutory advanced care directives. They allow common law advanced care directives only. And common law advanced care directives also apply in every other state. There's been some changes in Queensland recently, and there's some ongoing discussion about Queensland. But essentially, in every state of Australia, if you express your wishes, they must be considered by a health professional making decisions about you. Mm. And the difference then between the statutory law and the common law is the word considered. So whereas a common law advanced care directive must be considered and is, is legal in that way, it's not binding. You don't have mm. to follow it to the nth degree. And it may, in fact, be challenged. And so therefore you need a good quality common law advanced care directive yep. that's less likely to be challenged. That's where Touchstone Life Care comes in Great. because we've designed one that can be shared ahead of time with the people who are going to be using it and they know what's in it. They can discuss it with you and each other ahead of time. They know if you've only shared it with one person and nobody else. They know if you've suddenly changed it for some reason. So... That actually grants this particular common law advanced care directive more validity under the law because there's an opportunity for those people to discuss it and know about it ahead of time. Perhaps to think about has mum, dad been coerced by somebody? Let's get to the bottom of this now before it's too late. Yep, gotcha. So, Doctor, how did you find yourself in the position where you've you've really started to think about this more deeply and realise that more needed to be done. Like, you know, because where you are right now with what you're doing with Touchstone, how did you come to that? Yeah, thanks, Julie. Um, I trained as a physiotherapist. I worked as a physio for a couple of decades and then I got interested in the inner, inner workings of the body and particularly around palliative care and got interested in cancer genetics I was educating people about cancer genetics, particularly where it came to breast cancer and other family cancers like bowel cancer. And then I found myself running courses with other professionals for doctors about how to break bad news in these mm. cases when people received the news that they had the wrong gene, you know, a cancer-causing gene, et cetera. 
And that got me interested in decision-making tools. So, for example, when somebody has a gene that may predispose them to developing breast cancer, how do they make decisions about prophylactic mastectomy mm. or prophylactic ovarectomy? And what are the, how do you make those decisions? Well, there are ways, there are tools and aids that help people make those decisions. And when I was running those courses, that's when it came to me that I really wanted to be the doctor rather than the one teaching the doctors. Yep. So I went back and studied medicine. I was 50 when I started, wow. I'm 56 when I graduated. <laughs> and then I was in this sort of unique position where I was a junior doctor on the wards, but I had that lifetime experience, which meant I was there at three in the morning when an 87-year-old man came in with several fractured ribs and he'd been living independently. He'd always expressed to his family that a desire to be independent, never put me in one of those homes. Well, he came in with six fractured ribs and quite severe, he developed quite severe pneumonia very quickly. And at three in the morning, there's junior doctors having discussions with that family. They've never considered what would dad want if this was to happen to him? Do we admit him with nasogastric tubes and nil by mouth, heavy duty antibiotics? Is that where he wants to go with a pretty serious prognosis for so many fractured ribs? Or do we give him comfort care? And, you know, what, what, what does dad want? And they had never had those discussions. And it's not the time and the place at three in the morning when mm. you have to decide with the doctor who you've never met before. So it's apparent that you've got to have these discussions with your families well ahead of time, whether you are the, the person who is closest to dying, and that might be because you're the aged or it might be because you're the sickest, or whether it might be because you're somebody who wants to jump out of planes regularly. <laughs> now, if, if something happens to me, this is what I do and don't want to do. And we do have paper-based advanced care plans, like the ones that I spoke about on the websites, which just get lost, mm. or they are not legible, or they get coffee spilt on them, they are in the wrong form. We have 97-year-olds coming in from residential aged care who've been found cold and unresponsive on their bed. And somebody is fearful, so they ring the ambulance, mm -hmm. bring them into emergency. We can warm them up again with warm fluids, or resuscitate them in that way. But is that really what they would want? And mm. I had so many little old ladies with their pleading eyes looking at me while people, doctors were cannulating or catheterizing. Mm -hmm or sticking things down their nose because they've got pneumonia. And, and when I get tired and, and sort of thinking, this is all hard work, honestly, I remember those little old ladies mm. who couldn't speak, but you and I know yep. people can communicate in other ways. Yeah. And it's not what they want. These are just people's mothers who have had a good life and they don't deserve to be sort of treated as a, you yep. know, a medical experiment really at the end of their lives. And no doctors want to be doing this. No. Doctors are there because they care for people, but they need guidelines because they are at risk of liability. And you do get family members frequently who are in conflict. Yes. Who will give doctors a shocking time. And so we have this defensive medicine. We do default to over-medicalization at the end of life. We do default to saying, please, doctor, do everything without thinking it through. Yeah. 
so that's when I realised advanced care plans have to be digital because mm. that's how we communicate in healthcare. Yes. It is all digital and increasingly so. The Death, Dying, Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. Empowerment through conversation, connection through understanding. This is the Death, Dying, Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. So once somebody does prepare the digital version of an advanced care plan, how does the hospital access that? Like how, if somebody, say, comes in in an ambulance and the family's not there, then how does the hospital know that this person actually has an advanced care directive written down and digitalised somewhere? Yeah, well, great question. So that's what Touchstone Life Care is working towards and that's why I'm talking to you so that it becomes something people ask questions and expect. So with Touchstone Life Care, you can share your advanced care plan ahead of time with your trusted contacts, not just your GP, but definitely your GP, not just your lawyer, but definitely your lawyer, but even your neighbour and your friends. Right. So there, may be, there might be some people that they don't need to be the ones making the decision about it, but they do need to know it exists and who else is listed on it as the one making the decision because it can be the neighbour who finds you. So we also use QR codes. So not only can you share it ahead of time with as many people as you like, as often as you like, but those people get a QR code held on their phone. You can print your own QR code, have that in your wallet, on your fridge or on your phone, and then that can be scanned by a first responder so they can see your advanced care plan. Securely. Wow. They enter a PIN number, they can see it. And the first thing that paramedics do will go through your wallet sure. and see it there. And it will say, this is my advanced care plan. I give you permission to scan this in your, in your wallet. Yep. Uh, the other thing that first responders do, of course, is look at your fridge mm. for anything that's listed there. So you can print it and put it on your fridge. It's going to be on your phone and on your family and friends phone. It's going to be in your GP's files because when you do come into ED, that's what we start doing. We start phoning your friends. We start phoning your GP to find, does anybody know what this person would want in this scenario? Yes. Who can we, who can we discuss? And if there is a 26-page document that may or may not be legible, even if it's a PDF, it can still not be legible. It's just, mm. it, it's almost impossible for doctors to scroll through that yep. and, and then try to find somebody who knows about it. So Touchstone Life Care's plan has got your contacts listed. It's got the date it was changed so that, you know, and we, we automatically notify you and say it's time you updated your advanced care plan. So it's no good having something that's three years out of date. Yep. And we allow you to easily upload it to my health record. So oh, that it'll okay. be on your yeah. So on the system, it also has this QR code, easy upload to my health record. And then also you can notify whether your organ preferences have been registered as well. Brilliant. Okay, that's I didn't know that it could go onto my health record. That's brilliant. But not everybody has my health record. Yeah. Not everybody can access my health record quickly. So we have a belt and braces approach where it's available and accessible yeah. in a lot of different ways, including on a piece of paper that you can yeah. still post. Yeah, yeah. So really you've created a whole lot of different ways to ensure that that information gets to the doctors in the ED. 
that's really what the aim is. Yeah. That And now what's really exciting, Julie, is people in residential care and home care are using this now. So it's designed for people to do on their own, but also for providers to offer as a service to their clients. And they can invite their customers, look, we offer this for you. Click here and you can do your advanced care plan and we'll keep a record of it. Wow. And that's happening now. But the people who are closely associated with hospitals have shown those hospitals are now coming to us to say, how can you digitise our system? We want to link into this. Mm -hmm. So as soon as it starts to get used and people see the practicality of it, it's getting people coming back to us and saying, I love it. Make it work for us. Connection is key for the Death, Dying, Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. If we speak to you and people that work in your space, reach out for a collaboration. Julie at doulaconnections.com.au. Maron, do you think that would be something that an end-of-life doula might be able to, say, if you're working with a big home care provider or a big aged care provider, do you think it would be better to have an end-of-life doula work through that form with somebody if the family wasn't able to or do you think it could be anybody? I think it can be anybody. I think it needs to be somebody who puts the person's interests first and is not scared to say, I don't know the answer to this, go and ask your GP. So the whole premise around Touchstone Life Care is the advanced care plan belongs to the person. Yeah, It's their choices and they go and get the information they need to make a good one. And they can get that information from anybody. So they can share their plan ahead of time with their doctor. You as an end-of-life doula might say, have you considered an advanced care plan? Mm. Here's an idea. Go on this website or let me point the way. Yeah. And if you've got some questions, ask me. Or you might offer it as a service. Look, we have this service. I'll invite you onto our service. But what we suggest is that you answer some of the questions and then make an appointment with your GP. You share it ahead of time. So you might do seven-tenths of it and the last three-tenths is just a bit hard. So you go to your GP and you finish it off there. And the reason for that is we've spent a lot of time talking to GPs and they don't have the time to go into depth. So if you can give your customers what information they do need and what information you can provide if you can calm them down a little bit and say, here's the guidelines, here's some questions, some medical scenarios at the end of life. Just write down your thoughts and reactions as you truly feel them. That's all you have to do. And then if you want more information, make an appointment with your doctor, finish Mm. off with your doctor, and then come back to me. And as your doula, I can make sure this is shared with everybody who needs to know. Yeah. As your doula, I might be the one that says, tell me why you've only shared this with one daughter, not two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As your doula, you might say, you've told me that your dog is really important to you. There's space here to talk about your dog. Would you like to include something about, you know, having your dog with you because you know their personal details. And what we find is people do reach out to experts and professionals and they forget about we're trying to empower people to write their own wants and choices and really contemplate what possibilities there are, like open their minds up to how they want this important sacred end of lifetime to be. I agree. Not, Not just preordained by the way Mm. they think it should be but stop 
press yep. that pause button. Yep. And as a doula, you might be able to offer, have you thought about or what mm. about outside or do you, would you, you know, you, do you want to be at home or in a hospital or is there somewhere else you'd like to be? What yeah. about your auntie that you keep telling me about? Is she somebody who should be on this planet? Yeah. I mean, my brain's going straight to, you know, every GP in Australia having a practice nurse or every age care facility going through those questions on admission, every home care provider, every NDIS, you know, provider. Like if you really think about it, it's something that everybody really should have. I suppose I don't like to use the word should too much, but I I imagine it would take a lot of pressure off everybody if that form exists. It, It really does. Uh, what it does is bring forwards the conversations. Mm. So, you know, I had a 30-year-old boy email me to say, thank you for Touchstone Life Care. I've just had the best conversation with my 65-year-old mother because that 65-year-old mother did our advanced care plan and shared it with her son by email. He received it and he rang her up and said, I didn't know you thought this. And they had things to chat about, you know, mum, what's really important to you? The other thing is the reason I started understanding the importance for legacy and meaning of the end of life was my own husband died when he was only 23 and I was only 23. And I cared for him for 11 months. And in that last period of time, we had a family friend come to him to say, look, mate, yes, you're trying to get better to have another bone marrow transplant, but you might die. So consider that at the same time as you are trying to get well. It's got nothing to do with being morbid. It's got everything to do with making sure your life goes as well as it can the way you want it Mm. to. And so I was able, when things did deteriorate suddenly, I was able to be on the bed with him, looking into his eyes, just stroking him, and he said, Mezzi, you're so soothing just before he died. Oh, and, and I was, I knew nothing about caring except loving. That's mm. all I could do. And that's just so powerful. So giving power back to people to know that just being there, yeah. if, if they've had those discussions ahead of time and they know the person has had a good life, has said everything they want to say, and just wants them to be there loving on them, then that family has not got the guilt of, oh, we should have done this. Why didn't we ask? Mm. Why, yeah. Yeah, oh, I love that so much. I I mean, I've just got so many questions going round and round in in my head, you know, about about this. So, So from a practical perspective, it can fit in alongside, and again, I know different states have different terminology, but it can sit aside enduring power of attorneys and those type of things. It doesn't replace it. It sits alongside. These are the things that confuse people and mm. sometimes makes them not go here and do this stuff. So when you see a lawyer and you do your will and they appoint an enduring power of attorney or a health attorney or an attorney for health matters, the lawyer has to be there and explain to that appointed person what their responsibilities are. 
And the responsibilities of an enduring power of attorney for health are to make health decisions. And if there is an advanced care plan in place, they must follow that advanced care plan. So when you are, let's say you are an elderly gentleman and you've got a, a wife and you appoint her as your enduring power of attorney to make decisions about you, you want to also appoint her as your substitute decision maker on your advanced care plan. But you might choose another substitute decision maker as well, like your child, yep. because it's a hard call mm. for your wife to be the one at the end saying, Dr. I don't think he would want us to continue to do some of this stuff. That's, that's a very hard call for a spouse to make. So mm. sometimes it's good to have already had the discussions ahead of time and to have appointed a couple of substitute decision yep. makers in addition to enduring power of attorney. And again, Touchstone Life Care has designed for that. So we allow you, not allow you, we make it easy for you to sort of tick a box to say, this person is already my enduring power of attorney mm. and, and there's this place there for you to appoint them as a substitute decision maker or to add somebody else as well as a substitute decision maker. And that's why we've taken a very medico-legal approach to this. Yep, love it. You, mm. We share it. We advise you to share it with your GP and we advise you to share it with your lawyer. And, in fact, some lawyers are now looking at using this when they are offering end-of-life estate planning services and we advise you to make sure mm. during power of attorney. I heard a tragic story only in recent months of a young man who developed a life-threatening illness and he had a new partner and he had appointed that new partner as his enduring power of attorney. But he's, he had done an advanced care plan and discussed it in, you know, like a year earlier with his family, but the two didn't talk, the mm. family and the partner. And so the new partner wanted everything done for him and he was on ICU for three weeks while the family and the partner went to court to decide what to do. You just can't mm. have those terrible nah. situations. So I can vouch for the value of legacy when you have had discussions ahead of time as a family. It allows you not only to face those decisions in a less stressful way, but all the guilt that comes after mm. is less. Yes. And people can pat each other on the back and say, we know we did what that person wanted and you get some bonding and support for the journey mm. forwards, which is still going to be a hard time for everybody. The Death, Dying, Diagnosis and Doulas podcast has more to share. Our daily advice will help you to access information through conversations and feel empowered. Follow Doula Connections on Facebook and Instagram. Dr. Merrin, I know there's people thinking... How do I start this conversation? How do I tell my family what I want? You know, every time I might bring up a topic, they just shut me down. What would you suggest? How, how could people start this important conversation? 
There's a, ma- a lot of ways. You can go to Touchstone Life Care, click on training, and you can do a whole free course for individuals and families there. And one of those modules actually gives you suggested phrases to use. There are lots of courses around Advanced Care Planning Australia and LDAC also run lots of online courses and you can you need what are the phrases to learn and sometimes you need to practice them before yep. you breach this broach this conversation some of the phrases let's say you are an elderly person wanting to have a chat with your children because they say to me all the time I want to have this chat but my daughters tell me I'm being morbid just say it I know you think this is morbid but this is important to me Mm. and I need you to know my choices and you can also say if there's been a prior experience or story, it's very good to reference that. I want to sit down and tell you some things about my choices in case anything happens to me and you have to make decisions about me because I don't want you to be in the same position I was in mm. when my mum got sick. I know mum had a stroke and I didn't know what to do and I don't want that to happen. That's yep. why I need you to know this. Or if you are the younger person having a discussion with an older person, Mum, I know it sounds morbid, but if anything happens to you, I need to know what decisions you would want me to make. Please, can you let me know? Can we make some time to have this discussion? It happened to my girlfriend last month. Something happened to their mum. Nobody knew what to do. Yeah, I don't want to be in that position with you. I think that's always wiser than saying, the doctor said we have to have this conversation. Yeah, gotcha. Just get really vulnerable. Get really real and put your reasons out there. Nobody can say your reasons are wrong if they're true. And let me give you this example. A lovely lady came into emergency one time in her late 90s with all of her makeup on and her hair done beautifully and beautifully dressed. She lived alone and she had fallen broken her right hand and the doctors said we can fix that and send you back so that you can put your makeup on and be independent again yes there's a risk of course at your age that something might go wrong and so we need to know ahead of time what your choices would be if you deteriorated in the hospital and she said to me I'm not going to have the operation So if you are somebody who is having these discussions, I always suggest that you ask five whys. Why are you not having the operation? I might die. I said, why why are you concerned that you might might die? She said, well, I'm not concerned. It's just my sons are. Why are your sons concerned that you might die? Well, their dad died when he had an operation and they never got a chance to say goodbye to him. And then you say, well, are you concerned about dying? And she said, no, the only thing I'm concerned about is if I don't have that operation, I won't be able to do my own makeup and they're going to put me in a nursing home and I will lose all my independence. So she wanted to take the risk. She didn't care, but the sons were talking her out of it. So we said, well, why don't you just have an opportunity to talk to your sons and tell them you love them and tell them your thoughts about this? Not an easy thing to do when you're a little old lady yeah. and you've got these big, hunky sons. You know, <laughs> That's they it, to... yeah. But it, is, it can be, boys, I do want to have a discussion with you. And that's sometimes a good opportunity to say, the doctor said I have to have an opportunity yeah. to talk with you. When, yeah. the, when you're the, you know, the least powerful one, the doctor said I have to have this discussion. I need you to know 
what's most important to me in my life is that I can live alone and I do my own makeup. And, you know, you really get real, do my own makeup, put my own hair on, dress well. That is crucial to me and I do not want to lose that ability. It's not yep. worth my while. And that's why I want to have this operation. And I know that you're scared I might die and Dad did. But I want to talk to you about that now. So I love you. We've had a great life. And the sons then could understand the importance of it for their mother's point of view, not their own fearful point of view. Mm. She had the operation and she went home independently. Putting her own makeup on. So an advanced care plan, it can work both ways. You know, mm. it's, yeah, it, love it. It allows you to do more things. I'm so grateful for you taking the time out to join me today. So everybody out there that would love to do an advanced care plan or get some more information, what's the best way for them to reach out to you or to get online? Yeah, just get online. It's Touchstone Life Care. It's four words all together, Touchstone Life Care. And we like to think of it as TLC. If you go straight to the website, you can do a trial for 30 days. You can try and do your own advanced care plan. It won't cost you anything. You don't have to put your credit card in there. You can create one, share it, practice using the QR code, and then keep it if you like it. If you are a provider, you can log in there and just shoot us an email and then we'll set up a demo about how you can because your aged care providers and residential care have to provide these services now under the new standards. It's no longer good mm. enough to just point your clients to a website and cross your fingers and hope they can negotiate it. You do have to show evidence of good quality advanced care planning systems Great. in your facility or your home care. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have had you here and you're wonderful. We hope you found this conversation and information interesting, helpful and empowering with the Death, Dying, Diagnosis and Doulas podcast. Help us empower others by rating and reviewing us wherever you listen. 